0: Um, part of the idea of this paper was to add, um, I think, a dimension that has been just not completely explored during these last two days in the discussion around citizenship, it was the dimension of space. I mean, Nicholas has a discussed very, um, the centrality of border as a constitutive part of uh, membership or also the experience of a lineage. Uh, but what I would like to focus in, in the sense of the spatial dimension is not as much the border, but also the experience of confine- confinement. This is um, where the idea of the can come can- can- from. So The paper aims to engage with current debates on the nature of camps and camps-like institution in contemporary society, and in particular the space for human agency or absence of, for those who inhabited them. I will draw on material collected in, um, uh, from my ethnographic research in nomad camps for Roma refugees in Venice and Florence, during the 2000s, where I examined, uh, as part of my PhD work, where I examined the complex interplay between discourses, policies, and practice, which contribute to the definition of the Roma as a gypsy problem in the Italian context. Taking guess, as a starting point um, debates on the spatial dimension of social relations and applying them to camps and camps like institutions, this paper argues that Agamben conceptualization of, of the camp as a space of exception fails to grasp the complexity of social relations both within the camp and in the relation between the inside and outside the camp. Instead, drawing on a, the ethnographic material on the everyday life in camps, the paper explores what I term the comfort of exceptionality and propose the concept of camp citizenship to capture the specific situated form of citizenship produced by the camp and in the camp. The, the paper is divided in, in, uh, in two parts. In the first part, I will address the more sort of conceptual framework, which has two main uh, aspects. The first one is the idea of addressing the speciality of power relations, both in terms of technologies of power and, and the process of subjectification. And also the second point is debate on camps as a space of exception, of excess and of everyday life. In the second part, uh, building on the, the, the fieldwork, I would like to explore the interplay between the dominant discourse on the nomadic lifestyles of the Roma in Italy and the physical space of the nomad camp built by local authorities to accommodate the needs of the Roma population. Uh, I would like also then to explore the impact of the life in a camp, in a nomad camp, as on the inhabitants. And finally, uh, by building on the resources, entitlement and rights of camp residents and their interaction with the state apparatus, I would like to espo- explore what I term the comfort of exceptionality and uh, uh, explain a bit more the concept of camp as I see it. So, first of all, theorizing um, the camp. As, uh, as uh, Foucault has pointed out, space is a fundamental, I'm quoting, a fundamental in any form of communal life. Space is fundamental in any exercise of power. The triad power, knowledge, and space is, uh, reveals an intimate connection in the words of Soya where structures of meaning which are impli- uh, where structures of meaning which are implicated in the production and use of power are themselves implicated and produced in specific places. There are in particular two components of a thought um, around space that I would like to build on. First of all, is that social relations are necessarily spatial as individuals do not live in a void, but are inserted into a set of social relations that delineate sites that are neither reducible nor superimposable to one another. And the second aspect is that power operates spatially, for example through architecture or through the management of space. As far as the first component is concerned, I think that it helps me to illuminate the speciality of the encounter between the camp residents and the state apparatus. And to see the everyday dimension of um, the operation through which the frontline bureaucrats, civil servants and quasi state actors reify institutional level by which the Roma are um, understood by the state. Adopting the view that view that space is socially constituted and constitutive of the social has important implications um, both uh, also in terms of the process of subjectification because it acknowledged and revealed the significance of speciality for creating and sustaining a sense of self in the inhabitants of the camp. As far as the second component is is concerned, the space is not an an innocent and depoliticized context for social interaction, as Lefebvre pointed out. Rather, it's produced through them and plays a key role in producing and reproducing power and identity. So this conceptual standpoint informed the paper Uh, that place at the center of the analysis the link between the nomad as a discourse and the nomad camp as a place, and investigate how and to what extent the experience of the nomad camp is embodied in residents, reflected in their subjectivity, and borrowing from Harvey's expression, shape their space of hope. I think I may have jumped one slide, yes. (laughs) In recent years, uh, if we move through the theorization of the camp, in recent years, the work of Georgia Agamben has been at the center of uh, very active debate and discussion of the nature of a camp, um, and a camp that explores a, a topology from the Nazi Concentration Nazi Camp to Guantanamo Bay via the Asylum Reception Center as a space of exception and has attracted a great deal of attention. The camp is seen as a space of immobilization deprivation of rights under which certain categories of people live. A capture of life in law, in the words of Agamben, in the state of exception, question of citizenship and individual right can be diminished, superseded, and rejected in the process of claiming an extension of, pro- of, of power by the sovereign. Um, the critique of the position of Agamben has gone through two main—we um, can say we can cluster them in two main directions. One is in the sense of the relationship between the camp and international migration. And the other one I will probably classify as the relationship between camp and citizenship. As uh, uh, Rutvica Adriansevich has pointed out, the, the, the government contribution, while as uh, as in, insightful and providing a sort of an inspiring um, way of understand the camp, is also overemphasized the exceptionality of this institution in today's contemporary world. And, uh, and it's based on an implicit idealization of the notion of the rule of law. Um, it also has, doesn't really help to understand the role that the camp and the encampment played, for example, in, the, in relation to the detention of migrants. It's not a way of putting migrants out of the state, it's rather a way of regulating the flows and stopover and the timing of migration as well. So you can see also the productive role that the camp plays both in terms of the direction that migration flows takes and this linked to the point about citizenship is also a way of uh, define the position that the migrant has uh, within the society rather than a way of rejecting them out. It's a way of positioning them in a society. I think that by recentering the analysis of camp away from exceptionality and uh, as uh, Bonnie Honig has pointed out, by the exceptionalizing the exception is useful to um, to the development of a more agent-oriented approach to understand the impact of migration control, for example, on international migration, particularly through the role of camp. And if we move, for example, the, to debates within forced migration studies, the, one of the key points that has been, point, uh, that's been noticed is how the camp, in a way, uh, deprived the residents of the agency. So it's seen as a, as a place, and this is particular, for example, the critique of Carl Levy, uh, of Agamben, that he argued that the, the, his conceptualization of the space of deception ultimately orientalized the refugee and over dramatized the camp. And by doing so, it's, um, it does little, is has a little used for understanding the varieties of camp of the present. But it also does little, and this is what I would argue, is to understand the strategies of resistance, adaptation, contestation that the refugees develop in their everyday life in, in camps. So building on one end on what discussed earlier regarding the the situated nature of power relation and the exercise of power through control over space and on the other end on work like from Baliba on the emergence alongside formal aspects of European citizenship of what he calls a European apartheid characterized by the proliferation of internal borders that produce a segmentation and fragmentation of the concept of citizenship and also on the work of people like Lydia Morris around civic stratification i developed the concept of campership just to try to capture the experience of a membership of camping mates as a um, and also the possibility of challenging of um, in the space of hope that they can build within the camp so the presentation the, the, the of the empirical material will focus on three aspects in particular. The first of all is the centrality that the camp, the nomad camp in particular, in the case of the Roma in Italy, play, has in understanding the role uh, and the position of Roma vis-à-vis the state in the Italian context. Not only in the sense of reifying, for example, the, the label of nomads through the nomad camps, but also for understanding what is the room for maneuvering in, in the, in the in, that sp- in those kind of spaces. I will then try to focus on the everyday experience of life in and of the camp and the process of adapt- adaptation and adjustment of residents and I will borrow from Bourdieu's idea of emb- historical embodiment to also explore some of the long-term consequences of living in a camp. And finally, focusing on resources and, and rights of residents um, I will explore in more details the way the idea of, of, of countries should be. So as I said before, in um, in the dominant understanding of um, of the Roma in the Italian context, nomads, are, the Roma, are those who live in nomad camps. Uh, this belief exercised a very strong influence on public policies for this population, despite the fact that, according to uh, scholars, less than half of the Romani population is actually live in those nomad camps. Together with a broad generalization uh, regarding an alleged genetically uh, genetic propensity of this community to crime and child exploitation, the belief that the nomad lives in nomad camp is conducive to an image of the Romani population as self-marginalized and self-excluding, so an antisocial group. In these two quotes here, you can see that a um, kind of an entry point in, in the analysis of the role that the nomad camp play in the dominant imagination surrounding population, and in particular, they explore the one of the critique that is made to the to the Roma is the fact that they are dirty, and uh, this actually emerged also from a survey that was conducted by the the, the Italian Ministry of Interior as uh, one of the main characteristics that uh, a very large majority of the Italian attributed to this group as they are necessarily dirty. And so, as a as a so senior social worker in uh, in Venice pointed out, to say that Gypsies are dirty is like a dog chasing its tail. If the local authorities supply a camp with one toilet and a single shower for every 50 residents, then it should be no surprise if the toilet clogs up and the shower breaks and the Roma ends up dirty. It's a huge vicious circle. A social worker in Florence instead, point out, just try to imagine a kid from the camp who one morning goes to school and 31 she was very precise about the number, 31 takes jumps off of his backpack and you can get an idea of how hard it can be for kids to go to school. So you can see these two social workers are speaking mainly from a sympathetic position. They are not, they are not necessarily buying the idea, they are not but actually are criticizing it. So what I'm trying to, to, to get out of this is what um, this kind of positioning vis-à-vis the discourse tell us. In a way from both interviewees, the living conditioning in camps explain why it can be sometimes art for the Roma, uh, living in those camps, including uh, taking care of their personal hygiene and according to the standard of the people living outside. For, furthermore, both interviewees singled out two institutional actors that play a crucial role in the lives of Roma. The fir- in the first account, the senior social workers noticed that local authorities, their planning offices, their decisions contribute to producing the condition that end up confirming the stereotypes of Roma. In the second quote, is that the interviewee provides an example of how the rhetorical integration and the assumption about a Roma predisposition to self-marginalisation and lack of interstate in schooling should be re- rethought in the sense of um, taking into consideration of the importance and the impact of the living condition. These social workers are in daily contact with Roma people uh, in their cities, and while they acknowledge the broader discourse around the Romani life, and they are aware that, in a way, they are positioning themselves against the idea that they are dirty, or they want to self-isolate themselves, and they hate schooling. In a way, they clearly locate the issue of living condition from outside the domain of the cultural discourse that is dominant within the Italian uh, debate, which instead tend to privilege endogenous factors as explanation of Romani's socioeconomic marginalization and lack of hygiene. And by, by this means, situates the camp in the geography of the city. So this is one of the first elements i pointed out. The camp is part of the city, is governed by the local authority, is not a place outside the normal. It's a just a, and one of the places where part of the urban space. And it's linked, in a way, both to the local authorities, but also to, to the school. However, on a different level of analysis, what it comes emerged from this quote is that uh, uh, encountering the dominant discourse on the Roma lacks of hygiene, both interviewees do not deny the assumption that the Roma are dirty. Rather, they offer a different explanation for it. However, they should not be taken as a mean, meaning that they think that all Roma are dirty. But rather, they seem to suggest that all the campaign evidence for objective reasons outside their control are dirty, which significantly shifts the discourse away from the idea of biological racism. But by doing so implicitly, they conflate the Roma minority only to those Roma who live in nomad camps. So that, what I was saying before about the perception of the Roma as all living in a camp, but actually just a minority of them lives in, in nomad camps, Confirming the dominant beliefs mentioned earlier Therefore, um, it's not worth it that even if speaking on a broadly sympathetic perspective, interviewees' positionality, their role and everyday <coughs> experience with the Romani clients, surface in their gaze of Roma is essentially those living in camps, since camps are the main logic of public assistance and control. Basically, the point here is the Roma that interact with the social services are those that live in camps. If the Roma is not in a camp, has much less contact with social services and become invisible. However, those who are entitled to speak for them are those who interact with them. So you got a very, somehow, um, partial view of old Roma that comes from the people who are in interaction with them. If we move the attention instead to the way that the Roma perceive the camp, we got a completely different uh, spe- uh, view. By contrast to such strongly held belief about who are the Roma as those who live in Noma camps, the narrative of arrival of Roma refugees in Italian, in, in Italian Noma camps tell a different story a story of discovery, a bewilderment with the situation they encounter and a situation very different from the one they had lived in Kosovo before. As one of the interviews says, my dad came to meet us at the train station. We took a taxi that left us outside the camp. I couldn't believe what I saw. Dad, where is our house? I asked. This is it, he replied. Our house was an old caravan. I, s- I stepped in. I still remember the moment. There was one plate, one spoon, one pan and a fridge with a single tomato and a can of tripe. Another respondent says, I didn't know places like that could exist. I didn't know my husband lived like this in Italy. I used to ask him, why don't you take me with you? I thought he was having a good time, that Italy was a dream, a paradise. This interview, we reunited with their family members, um, already living in Florence in uh, 1999, uh, reunited when the war forced them to leave Kosovo. For all of them, the nomad camp is an unexpected, even unimaginable, discovery. For some interviewees, the contrast between the reality of the camp and the previous life in Kosovo and the failed expectation about it is overwhelming. As um, a man living in now in a council flat said, I arrived in Flores in '93, and I stayed in a camp for 23 days. To me, it seems like 230 days. I felt really bad. I cried every night. Sometimes I would escape and go to sleep in an hotel. If we now shift from the outside, the view of the discovery camp, to the experience of living in the, in the camp. Um, living in a camp, sometimes briefly, or sometimes for many years, affects and shapes the lives of residents in many ways. live strategies, attitude towards non-Roma and understanding of the meaning of the word integration, identity building as a situated process of making sense of the word, and even health, are all to different degrees produced by the camp. A Roma activist in Florence highlights some of the multiple impacts of the camp. The camp neither improved the situation nor changed it. It doesn't help the Roma participation in the social fabric, it rather holds back this process. The camp surrounds and excludes its inhabitants, to the point that the later people can say they are the Roma and they will always be the same, they will never change. The focus of attention here is mainly the relationship with the outside world. The, here the speaker is actually is a Roma activist, so as part of his role is to interact with the outside. The city, the majority society, the local government. For the speaker, the camp and those who sponsor this solution, in particular the local authority, are responsible for the perpetuation of the status quo, which condemns residents to a frozen present with no alternatives and no way out. But this is not only the Roma who are affected uh, by these spaces. As such, camps not only totally impact on their attitudes towards the majority of society, but also provide an argument to those who believe that Roma are happy living in camps, and that they don't aspire to change their circumstances. However, besides activist statements, which are nonetheless important to understand how Romani activists position themselves in the public debates on the Roma issue, there is also another side of the story the everyday experiences of camp residents, and the different ways in which they adapt and adjust to the camp and its rules. Focusing on everyday interaction, and we have discussed about the role of paying more attention to the everyday, the mundane aspects of uh, um, when discussing the issues of citizenship and, and belonging. Um, reveals a more complicated story, shedding light on the internal dynamics and conflict, and importantly, enabling us to more fully appreciate camp residents' everyday lives, their sense of agency. And here I'm using a definition of agencies by the anthropologist Vina Das, who talks about the mundanity of agencies against a kind of heroic vision of what is agency, the revolutionary heroic act versus the everyday capacity of coping with hard circumstances. Two Romani women offer, a, a, I think, an interesting description of the life in camp showing the hardship and resilience of running a family uh, confined in a few square meters of a caravan. One of them says, this isn't the life, it's something like, uh, really horrible. When the winter comes and there is cold and rain, you can't open the door of the caravan. You can't even cook or need the bread because everything is outside. Another woman says, I spend my days in the camp with my daughter-in-law. I have three grandchildren. They like to stay with me. I don't care if they damage the car or nothing can be more important to me than them. The enforced proximity produced by the camp exacerbates internal tension and also foster uh, intra-community pressure and control. So another speaker says, there is nothing to like in the camp. It's feel like some, someone is always staring at you. Even when you go to the toilets, I hate hearing them, speaks behind my back because I go out with an Italian boy. They accuse me of giving a bad example. They just don't understand that I want to be different from them. But another aspect which I think is really important to take into account is that uh, the residents are not alone in the camp. The style of management of these spaces plays... Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The the space... The style of management of these spaces play an important role, and, uh, and people were talking about uh, the way the local authorities were regulated in this space, and some are setting the rules, but also the imbalance of power relations within the camp, as I think it was really shaping the way they were approaching the, the local authorities and their claiming strategies was uh, of primary importance. Moving quickly to... The next point I wanted to make is the idea that uh, when we talk about the embodiment of the camp, but I think it's really interesting to look at a few um, research on a, um, epidemiological research that have been on camp and the impact on camp, actually on the body of people. As as a way of really looking and precisely what we are talking about, it's not about all the, the experience of camp shaping your understanding of the world, but it's also shaping your body. And so the first thing that we're researching out the short life expectancies of people living in the camp. Uh, the impact on the health of the kids as a very interesting aspect to bear in mind when we talk about uh, looking at the impact on the camp in the long term. This also complicates the critique I was making to the discourse, of the cultur- culturalist uh, discourse. Because if you got generational generation of kids who are born in a camp, the camp became the space where they built their own identity. So you cannot just uh, tram- dis- uh, say that discourse is wrong, you have to appreciate the historicity of the experience and somehow tram- tram- building it also in the strategies of uh, exit, if that is the case. So just moving to the final part, the one about camp um, that was all the title was about, so that was a very long introduction somehow. <laughs> What I, I would like to point out is that, uh, from the experience of working in camps, there are three dimensions of why the, the camp provides, uh, uh, when I talk the comfort of exceptionalism, the idea that the camp provides protection, uh, recognition and anonymity. But this I mean, when, if you look at the, what happened in Italy in the 90s, there was no asylum legislation, there was no system of reception for the refugees from Yugoslavia, and the nomad camp be, became the only place where people would find a shelter. So what you see here, that the population in camps, and these spaces that initially were fought for um, Italian Roma Sinti, which were like the Italian Gypsy Travellers, became to be populated by a different group of people, which were the, the, the refugees, the forced migrants, that came from a sedentary experience. So the camp grew at that point, and they got resignified. However, they continued to keep the name of being nomad camps uh, over, over the 2000s. But there is also the aspect of the recognition, on one hand, being in a camp enables you to live on a, an economy of poverty. So the camp provides an economy within the camp, there is, for example, um, illegal dealing with um, uh, recycling of iron and other metals, uh, which breach the regional legislation, so you are not allowed, for example, to move iron around, but in, within the camp you are allowed to do that. So this, this understands also from the perspective of local authorities that the camp enable you more spaces of autonomy. But on the other end is also that by creating this sense of anonymity you become just an indifferentiated Roma, a uh, gypsy that's basically enabled you to breach the law somehow. On the other end is also creating the Roma as a group, as a political subject that can put claims to the local authority as a group. So this idea of the recognition and you got um, for example Jonathan Zinconi talks about the localism of rights as a characteristic of Italy, not only reference to the Roma but also migrants in general, the idea that local authorities produce entitlements that uh, are uh, within the space of the local authorities that have no implication at the, at the national level. So, the what my problem was that, uh, as this woman said here, I'm terrorized for the fear of being evicted from the camp. I fear that that would be... well, they will say, you are no longer entitled to live here, my permit of stay has expired. This is going to become of me if I'm evicted. I will become a, an homeless person as a sense of, well, the, the fact is, you have to look at the reality of Roma, that arrived as refugees, they were not allowed to apply for asylum, they were advised, uh, they were given a humanitarian protection during the cost of crisis, for example, and NGOs start to uh, advise them to apply for work permits. This was before that the Bossifini law was introduced by the first government led by Blusko. At that point, if you were getting a work permit, you had a longer lifespan, up to four years, and you didn't need necessarily to retain the job that you had when you applied for. So the, the work permit would not decay if you lose the job. Mm-hmm. Then what happened was that the Bosafini law came in place. The period of uh, um, of the work permit was shortened. If you lose your job, you have only six months to get another job. Otherwise, you lose your permit. And most of Roma are left as undocumented as a result of this. So there was a quite interesting to see. What happened at that point was the local authorities felt that they had to provide some kind of solution to people who were there, because there was an understanding you could not really send back. So what I'm interested in <coughs> here, to capture this sense of uh, conflict between different levels of governance, of the presence of the Roma, and also how the camp became kind of a specific space where the right and entitled entitlement take shape. And this idea of local rights, and so on, and this is a panoplet. <laughs> as as a as, as, uh, found interesting this quote from an interview with a police officer, uh, who pointed out that the local authorities and I was talking about what is why you engage with Roma if this is in breach of the national legislation? I was in, trying to understand what push, what is behind the way that each authority engage with them. The local authorities are responsible for denying the fundamental right to family reunion of Roma living in the camp, because even if you are officially authorized to live in the camp, if you apply for family reunion, the police will reject your application. Uh, and you have no no chance to reunite with your family because the housing unit provided by the local authorities within the camp does not fulfill the legal requirement set by national legislation for local authorities. Basically, even if you are authorized to live in a camp, they give you a small uh, container house, which is like, for example, 16 square meters. In order to have a family reunion, there is a minimum requirement from the national law of 25 square meters, which means that you are never going to be able to reunite with your family, even if you may be legally resident within the camp. So this space uh, is what I was trying to capture, the definition. So just to conclude, um, the the camp played an important role to reify assumption on the nomadic lifestyle of the Romans. So in a way, the camp is justified and constructed within the understanding that because the Roman nomads, they live to live in a camp and not in a house. On the other hand, by being there, they sort of re- they do a kind of a self-perpetuating uh, profi- uh, self, um, prophecy. Uh, but also you have to take into account that Nome Camp offered an alternative in the absence of a national system of asylum, offering protection, anonymity and recognition. I use a campership as a way of understanding the, re- the relationship between the state and the camp resident which on one side recognize everyday practice of resistance, appropriation, and adapt- adaptation as a situated act of citizenship, vis-à-vis an idea of the space of exception above passivity of the resident, as a, as a way that, again, the a definition of bare life, bare life is not enough to understand the grounding of the entitlement that the Rome will gain by living in the camps. And, on the other hand, also create a space for understanding the emergency of local rights, um, in Italian context, I also wanted to point out the impact of camp on the resident. Um, and important to look at it from a kind of longitudinal point of view. So you have to look at the historicity of the spirits of the camp which has an impact when we start to think about uh, the legacy of the camp once you left it. So there is a lot of work to be done about what does entail, what, does, what the camp, at the fact that have been living 20 years, the camp live uh, with you once, um, once you leave. And finally, I think I want to close with this quote from uh, a Roman now living in a council flat in Florence. He says, I think that if you live in a camp for 20 years, you forget that what living really is. So this idea about understanding your role in society in relation to the space where you have been left Leave. Thank you.